Hello, and welcome to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Okay, what you're going to hear today is a video podcast that Jay and I did about a week ago on the From Borderline to Beautiful Mighty Network community. We do live weekly video podcasts. And I want to, this one is just really raw. I start talking about you know, some of the ways I got through recovery and just having Jay there, it's, you know, hopefully um, it will provide you with just that hope on your recovery journey. So I just wanted to give you a little intro to it. If you're wondering why we're, what we're reading, well, just bear in mind, this is a live video. So there are people writing to us in the community and kind of, we're kind of having a back and forth with them. I didn't want to edit that out because even that interaction was really just vulnerable and raw. And I want you to have all of that so that you can see that the recovery journey is really, really difficult. It's hard. And this wasn't just a walk in the park for me to get to where I am today, but I definitely am transformed into a new person. And I'm here to say that you can be too. So listen in today, and hopefully this is a dose of holiday hope for you on your journey. I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. We are talking about extreme ownership and you guys are having a hard time with the challenge. Totally get it. I get it. And you know what helped me remember how much I get it? Facebook memories. Shout out to Facebook for their memories. So as you all know, in the breakup story on the podcast, if you've listened, I won't be presumptuous, presumptuous and assume, excuse me, that you listen to that. But we broke up for a period of time. I was really, I, he couldn't be in relationship with me. Do you remember why the first time? Yes. <laughs> Do you want to tell it? Wow. Yeah, I, I knew that the way that things were going i could try everything that i possibly could to make you happy but if i couldn't make you happy there's really no point to being in a relationship when you cannot make somebody happy you know and i knew that we were going through a bunch of things that were just not really deal breaker problems but the issues that we were having were really inflamed as if they were deal breaker problems remember when i used to say we don't have any real problems yeah just this ridiculous you know bickering and back and forth nonsense yeah mm -hmm. well i meant that because i knew that when we do actually have like real problems we need to be strong enough as a relationship as a couple to be able to handle them together yeah not just you know individually so that at, at that moment in time, I knew that the relationship really couldn't last yeah. the way that it was going in that way through that structure. Right. Cause you, he actually wanted me to be in a relationship with him. Right. And I didn't know what that meant. And that's what a lot of you are going through. And that's why a lot of you don't understand this challenge. Well, not, right? it was bigger than me. Right. I wanted you to be the type of person that you could be completely fulfilled by someone. If I wasn't enough for you, I wanted you to find somebody that could completely fulfill you. Right. 
because that's how much I cared about you. Well, yeah, absolutely. I under, like I couldn't even comprehend that when you said that. Like that's a hard concept to understand. Now we're getting live here because now I'm just yeah. talking to. Okay, so yeah, I mean that's I couldn't understand that. So if you would have said that to me then, I would have been like, yeah, uh -huh. because it wouldn't. Yeah, have I know. I, it wouldn't have registered. No. Because I thought that a relationship was like, I have an emotion and then you rescue me from it. Right. And then we do that again and that's love. And yeah, you just that's keep... a level one relationship where you are just out to get what you need. Right. And then I would be out to get what I need. Right. Those relationships have zero chance of, of lasting. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Yeah. Because so I knew, but I knew like if we were to continue that, right. we can break up now right, right. and not hate right. each other. Right. Or we can drag this thing out to a point in which we are like full on resentment and like hating each other. Yeah. And I didn't want that because I don't hate anybody. Yeah. You know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. So that's why we broke up the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so that was a, again, I was in a level one relationship. And when you have that idea of relationships that it's supposed to be, I have a big emotion, something in the world scares me. I get insecure. I have a big emotion. That person on the receiving end is supposed to rush in, rescue me from that emotion, go fly out until I need that person again, because I get insecure and I get scared about something. And then I'm going to go to this person, have a big emotion. They're going to save me magically, majestically. And then we're going to do that all over again. That is what I actually believe that this is the borderline way. And there was somebody that filled that, that filled those needs for you. And that was your mom. Right, right. Yeah. Right. So you had this coalition with your mom where that was the thing that, that worked. Yeah. Right. Because your mom would always love you. Like it's unconditional. Right. You can yell at her, scream at her, right. and then, you know, hang up on her. But then, you know, five minutes later, mom, I need you here. She's coming, right. you know, and that was, that's what you needed. But in order to have a, a higher level relationship, right. it, the dynamic needed to chip, to ship. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, I can't read. Amy yeah. says, oh, sorry. I was <laughs> going to say, ooh, this is good and honest. Yeah. Uh, oh wow i have an emotion and you rescue me from it yeah, yeah. uh geez guys you're kind of reading my male frowny face yeah yeah that's tough i mean this is it's hard when you start getting really into it like what what is your way of of being in relationships what's your i mean every therapy calls it something different this is interesting because this morning i was talking to some people about the Gottman method. The Gottmans are great. There's a lot of great people saying great things. They're all saying the same things in different ways. They're just saying that if you're in a relationship to meet your own selfish need and you're closed minded and you're not fulfilled by that person, then that relationship will dissolve. And then they try to come up with their own clever system to teach you how to do it. Right. Um, right. And I guess we're sitting here doing the same thing saying, Hey, we used to do things this way. So we, he broke up with me. And after that breakup, I, this is extreme ownership, but we're going to kind of be skipping around to a bunch of things, which is kind of cool because we are having actual genuine conversation today. Well, we always do, but this yeah, is like, for sure, whatever, a little more vulnerable. And it's so saying. funny because I was just reading about, you know, cross generational coalitions Yeah. where uh, 
mothers will connect with their son, you know, to pit against the father or mother pitting up with the daughter to go against the father or, and then it just like those dynamics, they, they continue on. So then you have relationships where the parent is actually still a big part of, you know, the nucleus of, you know, the, the husband and wife. Mm -hmm. And then, so that sort of, that dynamic has to be broken though. So that's how, you know, I kind of came in and I made a huge rift, not mm -hmm. rift between you and your mom, but I, I did come in with the intention of like, this is going to be us now. Right. It's not going to be us and your mom. Yeah. You know, as much as I love your mom, I want her to be a part of our family. It's going to be me and you in this bubble. Right. Me and LJ in this bubble. Right. Right. So, and I think a lot of uh, couples struggle with that. Yeah. Different story, right? Different might, story. Different completely. story. Might not be your mom or might not even have been a person. Maybe it was the absence of a mom. Sometimes it's the right? dad that, or that the dad. connects with yeah. the daughter because the mom's connecting with the son. Right. And then they like create these two teams. Right, exactly. Their dynamics are all different, but it's this, the idea is the, is the generational coalition, you said, right? Cross-generational Cross -generation coalition. coalition. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's, that's just your... Gotta, you got to break that up. So it needs to be, yeah. so define relationship. I mean, there's different types of relationships to define, mm -hmm. uh, but within an intimate relationship, there needs to be two people and that's not it. Um, like, I'm sorry, that that is it. Like just the two people are in this intimate relationship. And so we need to do the best job that we can to fulfill each other's needs. Yeah. And that's, that is, you know, I cannot say that I'm a, a good husband um, if my wife is struggling and I'm just, you know, punishing her through her struggles. I have to go in and I have to figure out like what needs is she, what needs are not being met of hers because that's my that's part of my responsibility yeah is to meet her needs yeah. while she's also meeting her own needs you know and so that's extreme ownership on my end that's extreme ownership on her end well the both of us doing that at the same time it's like well how could you have a bad relationship that way yeah you know yeah, absolutely. But you know, I back then I wasn't in the position to do that. And I think that's right. why I want to draw the story of where I was. And, you know, with one example that Facebook kindly showed me to help me with this podcast today, and then to, you know, kind of go to what I do now. And Jay has some really good points that he can make about how to answer that question. Like, what is a relationship? So let me start this story really quick first, and then we'll go into the end. Let me just answer this question. Then. Oh, okay. Uh, Cross Generation Coalition, where did you read about this? I'd love to read more. Just look up, Google anything, you know, pertaining to, you know, intrusive mother-in-law or intrusive, you know, extended family members or, you know, friends, like, it doesn't necessarily have to just be family. It could be friends, like oversharing with friends and like kind of pitting your friends up against your partner. And, you know, it's just, it's really anybody outside of that, you know, that, that party of two mm -hmm. that could 
put in, you know, things that will not add value to that, to to relationship. that relationship. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry about that. Go ahead. No, you're good. That's good. All right. So uh, I can see how my mom did this to Brandon and his mom to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it can be very, very common. And it's just a survival mechanism to get needs met. Yeah. But it is, it's toxic. And ultimately it, it can decide relationships, the fate of relationships. Yeah. Okay. So here's an extreme ownership story. So remember, I told you that he broke up with me because I was playing the game of I have an emotion. And then love means that or I'm sorry, the game that I was playing is love means I feel insecure and then I get scared and then I express that in a big way. I have a really big meltdown or I hurt myself or something is wrong. Something really big happened. Then he comes in and he rescues me. He fixed that, takes care of that. And then he leaves and doesn't have, have expectations of me much until I then have another emotion and we can kind of go in that circle. That's what love was to me. I learned that from my mother. He came in, he broke that pattern. But before he was able to come in and break that pattern, we had to break up because he wa- he didn't want to resent me. So after this breakup, I'm still in this mode because I still don't know what love is. I have no idea. I know I got broken up with and I know I'm sad about that. Like I know that I am devastated and my whole physical body hurts. That's what I would have told you at the time. And so what did I do? I'm like, okay, I'm just going to live like Jay died. Right? I think like no. <laughs> I'm sorry. They're not going to get while we're laughing because that resonates with them. I did not think it was funny at the time. I was serious about it. All right. I was serious about it. So I actually am sorry for laughing at that one because that I know that you guys really go through that. I really was serious. So what did that mean is I was just going to be exactly like him. So he had a dog. I was getting a dog. He went to bed early. I was going to bed early. He ate paleo. I was eating paleo. He exercised. I worked out. The version of workout in my mind that if I really told you, I got pneumonia. Because what I did was put on really sad, sappy emo music and run as fast as I could in one direction. Alone in the state park the choices I made. And then I got pneumonia because I was wearing clothing that he gave to me. This hoodie was like white. It was kind of ugly anyway, but I was wearing it and I was freezing. It was the winter time. So there's an example of how I did do all of these things, right? I just want to be honest because when we laugh, it's like, it's hard for them to connect with that. I would imagine anyway, because I was like really lost in it at the time. So anyway, I get this dog. Facebook shows me, reminds me of me getting this dog. So I don't know if I'll be able to show that, but what I can do is post pictures. Anyway, this is a picture of the dog. I'll just post it. That wasn't working. So I have a picture of the dog and all my Facebook memory is a picture of my son who's like three, um, just turned three, right? And my puppy, my brand new puppy that I rescued. He is what kind of dog? Red nosed pit bull. Red nose. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Red nosed pit bull. Not the easiest dog to have. Like, not like a floofy designer dog. Okay. 
And so I have my puppy and my son and there are all these pictures, you know, my son is sitting mindlessly watching TV and the dog is positioned. I positioned the dog like on the couch next to him and there's toys. It's like a great Facebook photo, whatever. And then there's another photo. And then at the very end of that, because of course I didn't get this dog because I wanted this dog really. Like I wanted a dog. I got this dog because I wanted a dog because he had a dog because I was living like a widow. Bam. All right. So at the end of this is a post that says, sometimes the girl who's always been there for everyone else needs someone to be there for her. I'll read it again. Sometimes the girl who's always been there for everyone else needs someone to be there for her. Okay. <laughs> so here's the deal right now, right? Um, here's the, here's the deal. So I <clears throat> thought that I was giving all of my love and all of my energy to everybody else. And I was tragically alone, but here's extreme ownership. First of all, I chose all of that. I was not tragically alone. I was alone because I was in a love story in my own head, some weird emotion rescue story. And I was you know, he broke up with me because he couldn't fulfill my needs and I definitely couldn't fulfill his needs. And I had a dog and I, I had a toddler, excuse me, and I decided I was going to get a dog, a puppy. I'd never had a puppy before. I didn't know how to have a puppy. I was going to do this. And in doing this, you know, I feel like I'm giving all of this energy. Now, here's the reality of that. This is the reality is that I should have never had a dog, a puppy with a toddler, like not a red-nosed pit bull as my first dog while I was working full-time and trying to raise a toddler, that was a horrible idea. It wasn't an idea at all. I didn't think about it. I just thought, I want Jay to notice that I have a dog, right? Like, I want him to know that. I want him to know, <laughs> I want him to know that I'm a dog person now Man. because he's going to love me one day because I'm just going to live like he live so like a widow like amy i meant that if i couldn't prove to him that i was going to change while he was with me i would change spend the whole my whole life changing to be the perfect person for him so the only way to do that would have been to be his wife in my mind it was a way that she was honoring who i was and what i meant to her without being in the relationship itself yes. is how I look at it. Yes, that's a better way to say it. Much Sounds much saner. When I say <laughs> it, I feel crazy. It's, it's a little crazy. No, I don't think so. Because if, if somebody really makes an impression on your life and you really feel like your purest self actually feels that impression being made, I understand why you would want to align your life more like the life you had when you were with that person or when that person at least right. in your life yes so it, it does make sense to me yeah yeah that's it so i mean yeah i wasn't yeah you're you're kind of missing i think you're just thinking it more deeply because remember that's a juvenile thought that i had at the time there's not much depth to it yeah it's very surface it's level. very surface yeah. level it doesn't really have the meaning you're trying to connect to it because i was very immature like again that's a very childlike thing to do what he even what what jay just described that being right 
because I just didn't have the maturity to understand what else to do. So, you know, taking extreme ownership when I was in that phase, it was really difficult because I didn't see it. But again, kind of, here's the extreme ownership part. I knew I wasn't supposed to get that dog. So I made up a big story about how I got that dog. I don't really quite remember the story. It Something about it was abused and I saved it. From kids throwing rocks at it in North Philly. This is terrible. <laughs> it's horrible. No, this is real. This is real. This, this is, is real, real life. I definitely yeah. did create a story. That's right. That this, I got. Is, this is absolutely the real stuff. Yeah. I created a story that I got this dog that I found on the streets of a very rough part of Philadelphia. Very bad neighborhood. Now, I did go into bad neighborhoods. See, there's always like nuggets of truth, which is why I have a problem with the DBT nugget of truth thing. Because if you know the nugget of the truth, you know the whole truth. I knew the whole truth at the time. I wasn't delusional that I was lying. I just wanted to lie. So because I needed to have the dog because I needed the framework. I needed a way to honor him. I never met anybody like him. I couldn't lose that. So I had to like preserve him. And so if I wouldn't have created the story, then I would have had shame about having the dog because I shouldn't have had a dog. I had a child and I was a single parent. I was still trying to finish this doctoral program that I knew they weren't going to let me finish. I was still trying to do all the things. I knew because you have to finish it in seven years and I had a kid in the middle of it. So I was doing all these things. I should not have gotten a dog, but I had to create the story because I, it's the only thing that was able, got me to a place where he would then believe that I was like loving of dogs. I mean, come on. Like if I rescued this abused dog who's being hurt by children on the streets of North Philadelphia, wouldn't he think I loved dogs? Of course he would. So it was a good idea in theory. It's just wrong. It's something that a young child does and it's hurtful because it's creating an image for that person that they now have to then rescue. Now, Jay's not a passive guy, but a lot of the people I work with end up with people pleasers because the people pleaser is going to honor that over and over and over again. Keep coming in, keep wanting to please you. And, and you know, then they'll get frustrated and resentful and almost hateful to you. And then they treat you poorly, that kind of thing. So how I'm hearing this is you know like i said before it, it seems like our relationship had that deep of an impact on you yeah that you liked who you were yeah. you know besides like the behavioral stuff you liked who you were becoming yeah and so when you know the behavioral stuff ended up severing our relationship um you wanted to keep yourself, you know, you wanted to raise your standard on how you lived. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that way, yeah, if I were to come back around that you could be like, yeah, well, look at me, you know? Yeah. Like I'm doing this. Exactly. I've got a dog. Yeah. Kids good. Yeah. Job's good. Life's good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I, I honor you for that. That's, Thanks. that's pretty that's impacting because it's impacting on your purest self, right? Because you could have went the other way yeah, and went more hardcore. No, I already done that. That's why people end up here with us because right. they've already done that. Right. And that doesn't work. 
So they're looking for another way. And that's what you just, that gave me another way. Like I didn't realize that at the time, but you're right. It's like a framework from which I could then try to figure out how to yeah. be that way all that's the time. That's beautiful. Cause yeah. you were really like affected by that. And yeah. you really wanted to make some serious changes in your life. Yeah, I was really deeply affected by that. Absolutely. I was, that was really hard. And I, again, I know a lot of you are going out that going through that right now. It's hard. Or even some of you going through it, realizing your person wasn't your person because you were in the game, not in the relationship. It's hard. It really, it's, it's sad. Right. And now don't get me wrong. It's not all on her because like through my growth, I've learned that, you know, part of my responsibility of being the man in this relationship is I need to learn how to weather the storm because women are emotional and that's just, that's okay. Right. You literally have hormonal changes on a monthly basis. Twice a month. Right. So it's up to, you know, for, for the, the male point of view, it's up to us to be able to decipher what is about me and what isn't. Yeah. Because there are times in which we can take on everything, be like everything that she does, she's mad, it's about me. Right. She's, you know, frustrated, it's about me. She's sad, it's about me. Mm -hmm. She's, you know, excited, it's about me. She's happy, it's about me. Like, as, as on my end, you know, I have to be able, I had to learn how to be able to weather the storm so that I'm not taking everything as a direct personal attack. Yeah. Right. And yeah. over time and studying behavior and, you know, just being really aware of how I'm responding to, you know, a look, a touch, you know, a you know, behavior, how am I allowing that to affect myself? Right? Am I just taking it personal? And all of a sudden, I'm in a bad mood now. And now it's just a battle on who's, who's going to be more important than the other? Mm -hmm. Or am I going to see that, okay, she's experiencing something, and this really doesn't have anything to do with me, even though she's coming to me, which she should, right? Even though she's coming to me about you know, what it is that's, you know, upsetting her and maybe it turns its, you know, it's dragon neck towards me and starts, you know, spewing at, at me personally, I still have to remember at the beginning of this conversation, it really had nothing to do with me. Now, all of a sudden it's, you know, sort of like snaking into this thing where it's now pointing at me. Right. <laughs> so I have to do a good job of being like, yeah, still has nothing to do with me. Right. So that's extreme ownership on my end. And I needed to grow in order to get to a point in which I could decipher what is actually about me versus, you know, what is just an experience that she's having. I don't know if that makes sense. That makes complete sense. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. That's why the whole people pleasing thing was relevant, you know, because people who can't do that, who can't decipher that because that well that was already a weakness before you know makes it hard for them to do that now that's all I, you know yeah and yeah absolutely you i was definitely having a having an experience i get the whole thing with the dog it's like there's a whole it was all premeditated to create the experience which is you know 
disturbing. Pretty disturbing. Because I don't have the dog anymore. No, we so decided we, that we needed yeah. to rehome the dog. Yeah. So we So Amy, that was a good question. What? I think she asked what would end up, oh, where's the dog today? Living with another family. Yeah. And we vetted them. Like we went through the whole process. So that was that was something that when we came together, we knew that this this type of dog just wasn't the right fit for our family. Yeah. You know, we were we were young and you know, we had another dog and yeah, it just wasn't the right fit, you know, for, for the lifestyle that we had. Yeah. And it had problems. Like, of course it did, because it was still, I don't know what happened to it. I got it at the, um, yeah, I can't remember the name of it. It was a big animal shelter. In like Philly. SPCA type. But it wasn't the SPCA. It was Animal Care and Control. ACC. Okay. Yeah. It was not that it really matters, but there's a place called Animal Care and Control in Philadelphia. That's where I got the dog. And I like went to look for the dog. I wanted a dog that looked really cute and he looked really cute. He was cute. <laughs> he was really cute. And he was, and I also wanted a puppy because of course I had to control its upbringing, but you like, that's not how that works anyway. So I premeditated getting the dog and that's where I wanted to tie extreme ownership into this and, you know, show you that like some of you are doing that right now. I know cause I work with you. So yeah, you are. So I, it's, I want you to think, I want you to start from there. You don't have to type it out on the group if you don't feel comfortable. I mean, kudos to you if you do, because I'm here doing it. Like that's, he didn't even know where I got the dog today. This dawned on me because of this Facebook memory. I can't even imagine how many things that I made up. That's why I can't write a book with ease about my life. <laughs> because boy, I could write two. I could write the stories I created <laughs> and then my real life. There you go. I, I should do that. That's a great idea. You should actually. start the book with idea. the stories. So that's like the and then midway through, it's like, okay, the real deal. <laughs> Story time, reality. Oh wow, there'd be a vast, vast. Well, I think a lot of people would relate to something like yeah, that. Yeah, I do. I think yeah. maybe that's a way I could do it. Right? Maybe I'm coming to that. That's definitely God. Okay, so I. Um, yeah, I wanted to start there. I want you to know that like, if you have this, this thing that you've done, like an experience that you've intentionally orchestrated that you don't really want to think about or acknowledge that you did that because you're not there. You really just don't want to, I, I didn't want to think about it. I came to my mind, like you're lying. And then I thought, eh, maybe he'll love me because I have a dog. And that was more powerful. Right. I didn't really think like, Oh, I shouldn't lie. Um, so yeah, that's, you know, something to think about. You want, you want to start by changing that, right? And start to focus on how can I, if you want to be like that person, like Jay said, it wasn't all bad that I did that no. because it did really help me imagine how to behave. I didn't know any other way until I met him. And just so I can interject. Yeah, of course. Not only that, but, you know, I still thought about her and I still always wondered like is she gonna find somebody you know that's good enough for her so when I reached out and asked you know if we could just like take a walk mm -hmm. and talk um and then we did yeah I mean you were different your your standards had visibly raised you had lost a significant amount of weight you were happier you had a dog so you were taking care of something um 
you know, like it wasn't all, you know, peaches and cream, but at the same time, I knew when you came back into the story, you were different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you doing that was a part of why we're sitting here today. Right. Which is pretty amazing. Yeah, that is pretty cool. So if you look at it like that, it's like, you know, God really called you to like raise your standards of living. Yeah, absolutely. I didn't even think of it that way. So I must have been doing doing it right because I just literally thought of it as like I was like falling apart. I had like gone out for my birthday and had a date that day. That's true. hundred percent true. I really did have a date on the same day at the same time you wanted to meet up with me. So I canceled that immediately. So I was trying to like, you know, stop with the widow thing. I realized at some point that like, that's just not going to happen. That's like kind of ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, you know, started that, but then, you know, coming back to you, I was a mess. Cause I was, every night I would put LJ to bed early and I would just pray and cry at like nine o'clock every single night. I would pray the rosary. So I did that. I don't know why I did that. I didn't believe in God at the time. If you would have asked me if I was doing that, I probably would have lied and said I wasn't doing it, but, but I did. I didn't know what else to do. I thought, well, I live like he died. So that way I can have the best life possible with LJ because it was working and it was really good. And this is really sad for me right now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, did that and then i prayed and i cried so i prayed the rosary because i grew up catholic i prayed um 10 hail marys and one our father over and over and over again until i fell asleep that's fine yeah 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 and like i said it's because of all of that that you did agree to go for that walk with me yeah you know and we were able to just start over yep you know because we with that we both had a new standard for what we wanted our relationship to be and we wanted it to be a a loving relationship we wanted it to be something that we could fulfill each other yeah you know yeah so that that's really beautiful thank you yeah yeah yes that's what i did so as you can see that's funny i never it's not funny so i was gonna say i never had that reaction but it was a lot it's it's a it was a hard journey and that's why I do this. That's what I, why I want to be here with you guys and help you through that journey. So when you have a hard time with something that you're battling with, and again, I know that at least most of you are having a hard time and you've created an experience like that. That's why I wanted to do extreme ownership. I knew it would be hard for you because this is the hardest part. If you really wanted to, like, if you really take extreme ownership, you can no longer play that love game anymore. And then life becomes really scary because you have to do something differently. And that's where the pain is. That's what I decided to do differently. I thought that if there's a God out there, then I better start praying really quickly because my airplane is crashing. And it was. And then I just tried to do whatever I could to get closer to what he would have done if we were together because my life before that was like pretty chaotic before him. Because even the people I dated were chaotic. I mean, the guy right before him was bipolar, like late, really bipolar. He had curly hair and we went to the beach and it was so fun and we did beach <laughs> things and his family had a beach house. And then September rolled around and he stopped going to the beach house and he went to work at Verizon, the cell phone company and like the store. And then I went to go bring him soup because he said he was having a bad day. And he shaved his head and like 
carved the anarchy symbol in his arm. Yeah, that guy. That's the that guy, guy who I got pregnant by and had an abortion with. That was my life. It's horrible. That's horrible. Yeah. So I went from that to this. And you can too, but it really does start with extreme ownership. How'd you get there? Yeah. How'd you get there? And, you know, I would also like to add into, you know, I do see quite a, a few people questioning whether or not their partner is the right one for them. And, you know, that's the, that's a type, that's the type of question you don't want to ask yourself when things are going bad. That's the type of question you yeah. want to ask yourself if things are going really good. Yeah. You know, um, because if, you know, and, and once we got together, it, like I said, it wasn't all peaches <laughs> no. and cream, like happily ever after <clears throat> we're good to go. Like where yeah. we are today, right. it wasn't like that. We still had, you know, to climb that ladder and still had a lot of things that we needed to work out between us. Uh, but we at least established that we were willing to do that and we were willing to stick it out. What I see is if, if I'm, you know, really having a hard time and I'm acting out behaviorally and I'm doing things, you know, to make you feel, you know, uncertain or that you don't really matter or that you just, you know, you can't make me happy. So, you know, and you're still there mm -hmm. and I'm the one questioning whether or not she's the right one for me she's absolutely the right one for me because she's still there even after all of the stuff i'm putting her through yeah, that's true you know so it is a different perspective to to have on your relationships um and it's it's an important one because it's easy to sort of look at your partner as well you know they don't really support me here or they don't support me there but they are supporting you yeah you know and they are still there yeah right and there's something to be said about that and we don't want to get into this um this state of it's not enough right because once they're gone you know you now you have to figure this stuff out on your own right and maybe that sounds appealing to you but it is you will get way further in your recovery when you have somebody else to reflect back to you yeah. what it is that you're doing yeah. you know and that's that's extremely helpful to have that um so you know before you make any sort of like mm -hmm. rash decisions in terms of like ending relationships with partners who have been by your side through all of the behavioral stuff through all these dark you know yeah. storms i would pause and i would at least acknowledge to them that you are grateful that they have stayed by your side yeah you know this long yeah 
you know, and I've, I've mentioned this in, in posts before, you know, on, on my end, you know, there's nothing more beautiful to me than your smile, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah. so I want that. I want to see that every single day when I don't see that it's, it's not a great day. You know, I can make the day as good as I can make it by myself, but it's not a great day. I love to see this woman smile and I can guarantee you, your partners want the same thing for you. Um, and if they're not getting that and they're not getting, you know, any sort of like love and connection and eye contact and smile and, and intimacy, like physical intimacy, like even if it's just a touch, a hug, whatever, it's not a great day, you know? So understand that, you know, on the male side, we want to see our, you know, wives happy, you know, or girlfriend happy. Like that is, there's just nothing better than seeing a woman smile. So we want that for you. Now, there are times in which, you know, you could be doing something that has nothing to do with me, but that's something that would make you feel good. I would still want that for you. Yeah. Like, even if it's not good for you, like if you want to go out and you want to binge on, you know, salted caramel uh, chocolate bars. Those right? are my favorite. See that? Like I live for that. I live for that smile. Right. So I would support you in doing that. Right. Because I want that. This is what I want right here. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, but a lot of times it's not, you know, you may not want to be happy. Right. You have other needs that you need to be, to have filled. Right. And I need to be the one that, that, tries to recognize what they are if not then we need to communicate yeah you know i need to be like tracking like what are what are you looking for right that you're not getting that you're not finding you know mm -hmm. and so just know that if you are considering leaving your partner i would wait and and try to make things the best that they can possibly be and then decide whether or not this is really the move that you want to make. That's right. This is great, great advice. And all of you out there, especially if you are my clients, I've said this too. And that's not going to take like one week or two weeks. It's going to take several months of things being good so that you really can assess what is, is compatible and what is incompatible. And you have a good data set when times are good to really walk away and go, I know that I can't fulfill this person and this person can't fulfill me. And this is the right thing. And I take extreme ownership because I ended up here. But before that, you say, I take extreme ownership for being in a broken relationship because a lot of my issue in this relationship is my inability to give and receive love. So I'm going to try my darndest at this life. And then if I feel like at the end of it that I've done my best and it's not working, then you didn't, then you make that decision, but months, right? Like not yeah, give yourself 90 days. Yes. I would say 90 days of awesome. everything that you got and not this thing where you're like, okay, I'm supposed to smile at this, uh, yeah. this person, or I'm supposed yeah. to, you know, touch this person's arm or I'm supposed to What's his you love know. language. <laughs> it's not right. that. 
like it's not that we don't want to half step it we don't want to fake it you know we really we're really trying to make life changes and this this requires um some some real genuine action yeah because this is this will change the course of your life and there once once it's changed there's really no going back yeah I couldn't be that person anymore. I could never make up a story like that. That would eat away at me. Once you activate your conscious and you really go hard into it, and of course I did because I'm hyperbolic. I went intense into morality. There is no going back to that. Like I, it would drive it would drive me nuts to have something like that on my heart. I couldn't do it. So I go in the opposite direction of truth for that. I mean, I guess because that's just what I do. I don't know. I don't know why. Because. Yeah, because you understand that there's there's reality and yeah, right. Exactly. There's yeah. sub reality. That's exactly what it is. I am so into truth because, yes, that's how I came back to reality by firmly holding on to that. So anything that doesn't align with truth reminds me of when I would create those experiences. So I can't have it. So that's something that I really become good at is telling the truth and telling I personally think telling when other people are telling the truth, but that's, that's another. Say that again. I said, I think sometimes I, I'm so in tune to it that I can tell when other people aren't telling the truth. Like I'm almost like on guard for it, which isn't always healthy, but just being honest, you know, I really seek truth and I want to know that the person that I'm talking to is anchored in truth from beginning to end so that we can really share in an experience together. Yeah. Yeah. But back to the relationship thing, because that was off topic a little bit, is the um, you just want to make sure you're given enough time. And if there are if you're like, I don't know, I don't know if I can tolerate this, then you have to get started because momentum will help you tolerate the pain. That story that I just told you, like that momentum helped me tolerate the pain. I I did have the dog and I was taking care of the dog. I wasn't neglecting the dog. I was taking care of it. I was trying when the dog wasn't behaving. I even got a dog trainer. Like, so, I mean, yeah, I, you were trying, I tried, I got a dog trainer and I got this big pink crate that was like really hard to break open. And it was a boy, but I had to get this pink crate because that was what I could afford. And I got the toys. I did the thing that the trainer told me to do. I just couldn't read dog behavior. And he was like an aggressive dog breed. So it wasn't really going to work with his dog and the baby and all LJ, who was a baby at the time, all those things. But I did have to then take care of that animal. I had that as a responsibility. So it's just important that, you know, that momentum drives me forward because I have to put one foot in front of the other with this framework I was creating. I had to cook now because before I was going out all the time. But with, you know, Jay, I was trying to cook and I wasn't a very good cook. Like I knew I had it in me to learn to cook, but I didn't try enough. So I would cook things. I'm like, oh, this is delicious. I knew it wasn't that great because I knew what good cooking was. I came from good cooking, but I never was like a housewife. But I, it like, I wanted to be. I felt like a natural inclination towards cooking and cleaning and making up house towards him. So I would do that. And so I wanted to do that when he wasn't there. So now I had to cook. That meant I had to go to the grocery store. So that framework of acting as if we were still together, but he had just passed, helped me do all those things at first. That was what I was grasping onto because I needed a why, like, why should I do those things? And that's what I did. And again, that forward momentum pushed me to the place where I could at least pretend I was having a good day 
on the days that I wasn't and try hard to get through episodes and get to the point I'm at now when we did get back together. But I needed momentum. I couldn't just be sitting there doing an old negative behavior, having shame for it, and then thinking about my shame and punishing myself for my shame. That doesn't work. We need that forward momentum and we need to keep pushing as hard as we can on why am I here? So extreme ownership could be, I'm here because I create experiences that aren't in line with reality. This is how I told the truth today to an extreme degree. You could post that, right? Yeah. So Amy has a good question. So I've wondered this, how did you know what you believed was the truth was actually the truth? What? How did you know what you believed was the truth was actually the truth? Because I knew when I was lying. That's the thing that there are some episodes where I'll call this out. There were, I just knew when I was lying. I don't know how else to say that. It's such a touchy subject. And it's the thing that makes me the most controversial because I'm saying that you know full well what you're doing. It's, and at first you might be doing it with such a huge priority over having safety and love and certainty and significance that you're not intending to be like this liar. That is so true. Like this whole thing with the dog. I mean, I wasn't trying to be, I know that it's crazy, but my intent wasn't crazy. My intent was like, I love him. Like, I don't know how to do this. I just want to survive. I just want to be a good person. So I never intended to be this like really crappy person who's creating all these realities. That's what I was. And that's why some of the lessons and the truths are really difficult. But I knew what the truth was the whole time. Like I wasn't dumb. And I'll call that out to people I work with. I lose a lot of people because of that. And, and another example of that could be like, you know, I touched your arm, but I saw that you were doing this. So you know, I'm thinking that you're trying to wipe off, you know, me touching your arm. Yeah. Right. Like it makes me feel some type of way of her doing this when I just did this. Right. But if I ask you, why are you wiping your arm? Oh, I was just touching my shirt. Right. And that's how you know whether something's the truth. Right. You also ask questions. Yeah. Right. Like if I believe that she's wiping off my touch right. like how juvenile is that first of all but it's it's a thing like people actually believe this stuff. i've done that oh um, i can't touch you now exactly right so there is a game to it but there's also you know to to get an actual you know um feedback of what the truth is yeah. is i need to ask her you know one of my mentors master chim justin garcia he wrote a book called Tribalnomics. And he explains um, keeping your feet on the floor. So the floor is an acronym, F-L-O-R, the feedback loop of reality, yeah. right? So the feedback loop of reality is if you have a sense of something, you need to get an idea of what the reality of it is. What is the feedback loop of it? Right. Like what's mm -hmm. the feedback? So if I if I had this story in my mind that she just wiped her arm off to sort of wipe off this, you know, imaginary love potion that I put on her arm because, you know, I'm just not good enough, you know, and that's like this story that I'm creating in my mind. Well, if I really want to know what the truth is, I can just ask her, you know, like what's going on with your arm? Is, is everything all right? 
right? She'll tell me, you know? So getting that, you know, that, that feedback loop is how you can tell whether something's the truth or not. You know, like you have to be curious about things. You have to ask questions. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. Man. But then you have to believe that what people tell you is the truth. Yeah. Well, okay. And you, and you, and you leave it at that. Yeah. That's not quite how I got there. So I got there by number one, my obsession with my own truth, like me telling the truth, me being, having extreme ownership, me saying, and that's, that was when he broke off with me the first time I learned that that's a valuable skill, personal responsibility is a valuable skill. So I knew I did that to myself. I was old enough at the time to understand that what I was doing was way wrong. And I was, he was right in why he broke up with me. He was also very calm. It wasn't a crazy breakup. He really tried to tell me what the deal was. And I like listened, you know, and I took that into consideration. And so I started being like, yeah, you know what? Like, I'm going to be alone if I do that. And that was what I wanted. I just lost it. Because I, I also, right, like I didn't, I did want a love story. I think everybody that I work with does. So I went through a bunch of guys. I tried to find a guy. I just didn't know what I was doing. I was so immature. So I found a lot of really bad ones. So I knew that I had found a good one when I found you. And I knew that I lost something really valuable for sure. So I knew that I needed to like figure out how I played a role in that and then hope that, you know, he would come back. Like you said that. I would be different and he would come back. So I had to start there. And then from there, when he came, comes back into my life, I'm now not lying. Like, you know, I'm trying not to, right. I'm trying not to. At first I was very hyperbolic. I mean, even the story with the dog, I told that way back, what back then. So I was still lying, but I'm trying to work on why that's bad, not to lie, not to play with it. Cause I would, I got really good at not lying. And then there would be like one thing, like I really like to eat um, 7-Eleven. Here we go. It's just so stupid, the things I would like. Send I it. like to eat 7-Eleven taquitos. And I didn't want to tell them that I like to eat 7-Eleven taquitos, but I love me a taquito. <laughs> They're so I good. noticed that when I was cleaning our car out one time. And there were just plastic containers and like the little... Uh, wax paper uh sleeves yeah they put them in the sleeves i don't know if you guys have those those everywhere <laughs> balled up they're three everywhere. for a dollar <laughs> yeah everywhere um so you know to get back to what you what you had said amy you have to believe what people tell you is the truth yes yes yeah because eventually i did yeah mm -hmm. Because when you don't and you hold on to, if I don't and I hold on to this ridiculous story that she is literally wiping <laughs> my, my love potion of, of my affectionate touch off of her arm. And after she says, no, I, I had like an itch or I had, you know, something, whatever story she comes up, whatever thing she says, if I don't and I hold on to mine, well, whose reality am I in? Right. Am I in actual reality or in my own reality? And if I'm in my own reality, well, what character is she in this story? Right. Right. Because it, I'm making her up to be this character that is, you know, cold and malicious and 
you know, we're, we're on a live podcast and she's wiping my affectionate um, touch off right in front of, you know, the hundreds of, of thousands of people watching, <laughs> right? Like she's going to try to embarrass me. So, you know, she's trying to belittle me. Like the story could go on and on. Yeah. But the problem with that is I am no longer here. I'm no longer with her. I'm no longer with you guys. I'm off in my own story, you know, portraying my own character, this, this, this victim, this, this love starved victim. <laughs> and, you know, in this story, this villain who I'm trying to give my love to, you know, deflects it. Right. Like, so like it's like a, like a shield, Yeah, you know, like how it, it sounds ridiculous, but this stuff happens every single day. And I don't want this to be the case with the people in this community because, you know, we're here to become new people yeah. and to get out of our own stories and into, you know, the real world, right? Yeah. What's that? Uh, stop being polite and start getting real, right? Right, right. the real world. <laughs> Remember yeah, yeah. that? What do you mean it happens every single day? I don't do that. No, no, no. People out there, like all people, create these stories yeah, 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 yeah. and they just go with it. Yeah. And yeah. you've definitely done this before. Oh, yeah. You created a yeah, story and course. then you just roll through it as if it's true. Yeah. And then, like, there's so many different questions and conversations going on at the same time. The other person has no shot yeah. at yeah. actually stopping this train and being like, well, the first thing, like, way back you know, 20 minutes ago that you said was flawed. Right. So everything after that 20 minutes right. yeah, yeah, yeah. is flawed. Yeah. Right. So it's difficult, you know, on the receiving end of, you know, somebody who's created this story in their mind, it's difficult for the person who's like, uh, no, I just, I just had an itch on my arm. Yeah. To, retrace all of the steps that have taken place 20 minutes ago to catch up to the beginning and be like, yeah, you remember the first thing you said that was wrong, you know? And so that is where I see yeah. this happens frequently in a lot of different relationships. Yeah, you're right. It does for sure. It does. And it's something that all people do is what he's saying. Like I, you know, it's something that, you know, women do a lot when they're talking together, right? If like a woman comes into a group of other women talking about something and they disagree then the group will make up a story about why they agree or disagree. And there's, you know, like that's something that people do. So import, this is very important though for borderline, because I know that you'll, you know, you guys will do that. I, I used to do that with the sleeve thing because I would feel bad. I, it would be after an argument usually. And I would feel like weird around him or bad around him as if there was some emotional aura around him. And then I would try to like reconnect, but I would feel weird. So then I would blame him for feeling weird. I'd be like, Oh, you don't like the way I touch you or you don't like when I touch you anymore. Something really like that was me. I was like crass about it. I know how it presents in different <clears throat> ways for different people, but it's still that same pattern to be, look. you know, and you want to look out for it. Even if I were to do it now, I want to look out for it. I want to make sure that you see me go on high alert. I'm like, do I do that now? Cause I want to be better. I don't want to do stuff like that because you're really imposing on people when you're doing that. You're really telling people what they should feel. That's where, you know, that tyrannical, you know, stuff came from on the podcast, because I would be if I didn't believe his truth or his reality, then I would be telling him what his reality is. And that's what he was saying. 
right? Whose reality are we in? So I eventually and I'd got been there. there. I'd yeah. been through that too much. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. In his own life. Yeah. yeah. That was his whole like, so nobody's going to tell me. Yeah. Nobody's going to tell me that. Yep. That was also something that, you know, again, I, it's like our, it's like makes the case for God again, because you needed somebody who was going to be very strong for you and work hard to be loyal to you and, you know, stable for you. And that's what I did. And I needed somebody who was going to be like firm like that. Yeah. And because of your history you and, loving. and loving yeah. and because of your history, you were able to do that Absolutely. successfully. That's awesome. Uh, Amy wrote, there yeah, has to be a lot of pride maybe to hold onto those beliefs. Not sure either way. It seems to take a lot of strength to believe delusions. I mean, sometimes, but a lot of times you can get a lot of comfort in believing delusions. Yeah. It's very comforting to you because you already have this inner negativity, this insecurity. Mm -hmm. And if you create this story and the person is not there and not strong enough to be like, hold up, that's not how this is going down. Um, and you're just able to just sort of railroad through them. Well, it validates your, your negativity, your, yeah. your insecurity. Like I was right all along. They are wiping my, my, uh, my love schmear off of their arm. Yeah. You know, like it can be very comforting and it can make you feel important. Right. It can give you significance. Like I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of this stuff is like, you know, I just want to be mindful of the people who are where I was when I was telling this story. And I know that some of you are there and that that's a very real place. So if you're at that stage, we'll call it level one. That's a, a Robin's coaching thing. Robin's Medina's coaching thing. So awesome. So let's say you're at, I, I say first rung of the ladder or level one. That's fine. What you can do in this stage is cling to forward momentum of a life that you want to have. And if that means that you have to look at the life you had with your partner and start recreating that until you can figure it out, I mean, I suggest that you do anything in your power to start living that life. And if that's your anchor, whatever, whatever, because that changes. You develop and mature once you start this, this path. So if you're on at a level two where you're in a relationship with someone already and you're, um, You've, you are questioning whether or not you're compatible. Well, your leveling up is to be able to see that person as the person that was loyal to you. And the one thing you're going to do to give back is to be patient for the next 90 days while you do everything in your power to live in that relationship. And you can check the days off. I don't care. But don't come to me after 14 days and said, I did it. I did it. I can't do this anymore. Right. You want to make sure you're waiting the 90 and that's going to make you a better person at the end of it, better able to evaluate your relationship. And if you're at a level three relationship, well, congratulations. Isn't that the highest one? Yeah. So a level two. So level one is I'm going to just get what I need, period. And those relationships will never last, period. A level two is like a bartering. I will give to you if you give to me. Now, you can the, the relationship can last that way. Like it's more of a transactional type of thing. Mm -hmm. It can last that way, but it will not be nearly as fulfilling as a level three in which it's, you know, her needs are my needs yeah. and I need to fulfill her needs um, because when I'm fulfilling her needs, she fulfills my needs, right? Like that's how that goes. I want to give and I want to be, you know, her everything, that's a level three, but that requires two people. Yeah. 
she needs to be looking at me like I want to fulfill his needs, you yeah. know, and that's that's the type of relationship that is long lasting, you know, intimacy stays in the relationship, even when you're getting older, you know, <laughs> yeah, like we don't need to go down that rabbit hole, but, um, you know, the intimacy stays alive. You see these couple, these old couples that are still holding hands and they're still intimate with one another. I mean, that's amazing, right? Because it, none of this stuff is easy, yeah. but when your mission is to fill your partner's needs, it's not hard. Yeah. You just have to want to do it in order to have love. You have to give love. You yeah. can't just take love. That's not a thing. Yeah. That's the only time we feel love is when we're giving love. Yep. And that's, you know, you have to grow up through that. So, you know, I think I love the level thing. And this is the last thing. Actually, this is the very last thing because I have to go. Oh my goodness. Okay. So the, um, the level things are great as a, for a couple of reasons. One, you know, re-watch re that, write that down, you know, just like be honest in your self-reflection, be honest in the way that you're perceiving what your behavior is, really look at all the lies you're telling yourself and the experiences you created so you can assess where you're at. And now the other thing I want to note is that's why some of you think that I can be unrelatable in your current struggle. Because you remember me on the podcast, I was still like level two right back then. So I'm becoming level three now, which is really cool. That happens because you grow up and you can't look back. So all you can do is continue to elevate and elevate and elevate, elevate and learn more and grow more. And so you will get to that place. But I'll, I hope this episode was helpful and you're, you know, remembering that I was level no, none. <laughs> Zero. <laughs> there was no level. I was pretending he was dead to be his widow and he was actually alive and broke up with me. Like that was me. I was doing that. And that, so that's where I come from. I have a lot of love for you guys. And I really hope that you keep trusting this process. And if something struck a chord in you today and you really feel like, you know, you want to you know, go on this journey again, restart, go back to the beginning, look at your vision board, look at your moral compass and really try to do the best you can to just follow the steps and know that you, you will be recovered too. In the end, there's no way that you wouldn't be or your quality of life would be significantly increased if you have other diagnoses. Again, there's no other way that you can end up not where I am. I, I just don't see it how you could end up anywhere else. Right? Anyway. I agree. So thank you all so very much. We hope you like this one. Are you tired of feeling frustrated, resentful, or disconnected from your family, friends, and partner? Thrive Mind Body LLC Mindset Coaching and Counseling can help you. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. Again, that's thriveonlinecounseling.com.